From home to work, health to agri, this is Tech Matters on KCLR, a weekly look at the tech in our daily lives with John Clare. Hello and welcome to Tech Matters. I'll be with you up to 7pm every Tuesday for the next few weeks on the run-up to Christmas and each week we'll be covering different topics in the global tech village. We've so far covered home and pet tech, the future of work and kids tech and in the coming week we'll be covering health tech and travel tech but the team for this week's show is Agritech. So I'm John Clear and I run a company called Unmake based in Kilkenny and I help companies, mostly tech companies, to align their teams and solve business challenges. And on Tech Matters this week, we'll be unpacking Agritech, that's agri-food and digital transformation. But first, let's talk to Jason Larkin of ElectroCity, our tech guru at Tech Matters. And this week, we'll be looking at products in the agri-tech sector. So we have one product to review, and we have another product to give away. So what are we reviewing, first of all, this week, uh, Jason? So in regards to Agritech, we are reviewing the Tapo smart camera. So there is a different range of smart cameras available uh, for the likes of, say, if you wanted to use it on the actual farm itself. So in regards to those, you can have outdoor cameras. They'll be set up, they're water resistant, they're night vision, so they'll be able to pick up anything. The only thing with them, they will have to have, say, like a wired connection, so they'll have to have, say, some sort of an electrical outlet. And also, they work a little bit better off of, say, once you have an actual internet connection. So, for instance, if it's a little bit too far away, it mightn't work out as well. Mm. But, say, if it's nearby to the house, things that work out perfectly. We looked at there how it works, so that's about the connections and what you need. But what is it useful for? The majority of people that would come in now lately, it's mostly security, okay. you know, peace of mind. That's the big thing. Say when you're not, you know, you're not around, or maybe you're asleep and things like that. Maybe you've noticed some like some suspicious activity, things like that. It's just a second pair of eyes for you that's constantly watching, it's constantly recording. That's going to keep you safe and peace of mind in your house. So then, how would someone look at this then if they? the it's recording everything like you're saying ongoing yeah. but let's say can you just look at it live as well or is it just recording you can look at it live so it also some of them will have two way audio as well so for instance if you got a notification on your phone say you had some activity around yeah. you can go onto the phone straight away and then you can communicate through your phone or any device that would have the app on it and then you can communicate straight through to the actual camera itself and you can actually communicate say if there was someone on the property things that and you just wanted to make them aware that they're being watched okay. and to and then, the area very quickly. And does that give alerts as well if, if there's movement? It will indeed, yeah. So it'll okay. give alerts like movement alerts, things that it notes. It's constantly recording, yeah. but it will give alerts if there's any movement, things like that, or any suspicious activity. And the other benefit is because of the night vision, you're not going to have any, you know, you're not going to have a time period where it's not going to work officially. It's going to work officially 24 hours a day. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And and for those kind of products, then is there anyone else that's buying these? Are you saying like some people coming in in the agri sector are coming in buying this and using it yeah. on the farm? Is there other people using it as well? They are indeed. Yeah, they would use it for their regular households, things like that. Like you can get different ones where you can have them set up in the house and interior, for instance. And then you can have those like for instance, if you're on holidays, you can okay. check in on the house directly using once your phone has a Wi-Fi connection and your camera is connected home, you can double check in the house and everything like that. Even if you wanted to check in on the pet. Exactly, we said that a few weeks ago that you could exactly. actually watch watch your pets as well at home. So oh, good for all animals. And so, what was the name of that product again? Yeah, so they're the Tapo smart cameras, and they come in a different range. You'll have indoor and outdoor variants of them. 
So another product as well that I have a few people, say, in the agri-sector coming in for are the Aftershocks uh, headphones. So, these so people in the agri-sector are partic- specifically looking for these? Agri-sector and also, say, your usual kind of say, people that like to run in the even times, things like that. Okay. The main benefit of these is they're using bone conduction technology. It's a completely different technology compared to, say, what your usual earbuds are using. Instead of sending it through to your ears, they're sending the music straight through your bones, so they'll sit directly in front of your ears. The main benefit of that is that you're going to be able to hear the music perfectly and also all the surrounding sounds around at the same time. So, for instance, if you were running or even if you were, say, on the farm and things like that, you can still listen to music and still be aware of your surroundings, especially on a farm where safety is a massive issue. Uh, Another benefit of that as well mm. is that you're not putting as much, I suppose, strain on your eardrums. You know, we're all guilty of listening to music a little bit too loud sometimes. Mm -hmm. The benefit of that is you're not going to actually have as much of an impact on your actual earbuds because it's sending through to your bones instead. So they're better for your ears then in the long run. Okay, very interesting. And what do we have to give away to our listeners this week as part of the competition? Uh, this week we have the Hama True Wireless Earbuds. Okay. So with those, they have a stylish design, the modern shape, so they're very similar in design to your Apple Earbuds. Okay, and uh, the, the brand is Hama, you said? Uh, is it? Hama is the brand then. And then is it useful for just general listening for music and, and taking calls as well, I presume? Yeah, taking calls. So like I say, once you're, uh, they're connected to your phone via Bluetooth connection. Okay. You can go on, you can take your calls on, things like that. Uh, but most of the time, we've been kind of your general listening to music, things like that. Okay, so that's great. So we just looked at the the, the Tapos Smart Camera and we have as a prize the Hamo True Wireless Earbuds. And we'll let our listeners know a little bit about that later on. Jason, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show again. We'll see you next pleasure week. Again. See you next week. Cheers. And all you have to do to be with a chance to win the Hama True Wireless Earbuds from Electro City is text or WhatsApp us the answer to this week's question. A little bit tougher this week. And the question is, what cheese is made backwards? So send that along with your name and details to the Dinners Ready text line. That's 083-306-9696. And we will announce the winner at the end of the show. And that's the question again. What cheese is made backwards? Now, I must make a, a bit of a disclosure first. I know as much about Agri as George Lee being landed the role of agricultural correspondent in RT. But to my merit, I have some understanding of tech matters. So without further ado, and no more apologies for my possible flock of pork terminology faux pas, let's get on with the show. So, Ireland has a very Ireland is, or as a very big food producer, has a major role to play in contributing to our own and the global food supply. Taking our success in global nutrition from companies such as Glombia and the Kerry Group, there is a huge amount of scope for growing our food and agri output sustainably. Under the Food Vision 2030 strategy, we'll put some notes in the, in, in the show notes, there's a clear environmental targets, and with that, there's huge commercial opportunities for business. Making this happen will require a, require, require a greater connection between the agri agri-tech companies and the wider tech ecosystem, plus some good old-fashioned digital transformation in agri-food organisations. So today our expert interview is with Jim Leamy from Chagas, and we'll be talking about digital transformation within the organisation, and later in the show we'll be talking to Kerry Houston from Bowfield Farms, who swapped out a career with a pharmaceutical giant Pfizer to become a vertical farmer. So join me after the break and we'll start the conversation with John Leamy from Chagas. Featuring new and emerging tech from around the world. Tech Matters on KCLR with John Clear. Okay, and welcome back. My first guest for the expert interview is John Leamy from Chagas. We'll be taking a dive into digital transformation for organizations. John, you're very welcome. Thanks, John. 
Your role in Chagas, can you tell us what it is and what actually does Chagas do? Yeah, so I'm involved in the innovation space, uh, very much in the technology side of that. Um, and, you know, my focus is very much on now it's been on our digital journey, seeking and seizing opportunities along there, trying to help the organization become a data-driven organization and give our customers a better service experience while doing that. Um, Chagas are uh, they're a semi-state organization and our focus is on developing the whole agri-food sector and needless to say there's a lot of that focus at the moment is on our, our climate mitigation and also on the drive towards bioeconomy and more sustainable um, sector. So okay. we would have a couple of areas in our business. The biggest one would be in our research area uh, where we are driving new initiatives, new ideas um, to bring to the ground. Um, and we have our client area, so that's our farmers, where we help farmers uh, on their particular farms with their particular set of inputs to help farm sustainably and farm for profit. And then we also have our education spaces. Exactly. So we're coming from animals to crops to environment to food to rural economy and obviously, like you said, education. Just in terms of like the new developments within Chagas and obviously digital transformation, everyone is saying digital transformation at the moment, but you guys have like a, a put together a serious strategy for that recently. Yeah, so we, we started a couple of years ago with a small focus group and very quickly realized that a digital strategy can't just be a small subset of an organizational strategy uh, that has an end, the start and end, that instead it very much has to be part of the organizational strategy. So we reached out further, we got some assistance from experienced partners, and we extended our own reach within Chagask and ran many workshops, and at all stages trying to seek those opportunities. And ultimately, we ended up with you know, a new set of guiding principles and a set of priority areas for us to focus on. Okay, and you, but that was something you just re- re- launched recently, and is that something people can access and get more information on from the website? or? Yes, we're we're in the process of publishing that. So we've published it internally. Um, okay. We we do publish continuously on our website, and we have a new uh, app as well, a media app. Um, and recently, we've just launched our new climate act strategy as well. Uh, that was launched during last week. But yes, there will be details of our um, digital transformation strategy um, published shortly. Now, when we're talking about digital strategies, we, we can't but talk about culture because it's about bringing everybody on board, whether it's internally within the organization or obviously bringing people on board as partners, etc. So can you just tell us a little bit about digital culture and, and, well, culture, I should say, and I suppose that involves two areas, the digital and the data, and maybe you could break those down a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you can break down digital and data, and sometimes it's not always easy to, mm. to explain the difference. But yeah, you know, we we realised that that was one uh, not too dissimilar to other organisations. One challenge we had was uh, a culture and trying to bring around that culture of how you can look um, at you know opportunities in a digital way. What we did find out is Chagas has always been a very good technology company at every way um, just maybe we were slightly behind in terms of our uh, data driven potential and then the culture within the organization trying to you know move the dial a little bit further there so that we could uh, seek opportunities and seize them um, so the challenge there was you know when we brought in uh, those working groups together 
and you're trying to explain you know possibilities potential around things like uh, data analytics and user experience and um, agile where you're trying to do things you know really fast and you're trying to get feedback from your customers and you're trying to iterate um, so in bringing everyone with that you know has helped to move the goalposts and bring a focus towards how we could become more data-driven and the benefits of that. Uh, one thing that did come across at all stages is that like Chagas are a knowledge-based uh, you know, organization and having data is obviously very good. Having digital platforms is very good, uh, but ultimately you need the knowledge there to be able to apply that. And mm-hmm. so you still need people. You still need people. And with people comes opportunities. So as you're building out all of these digital and data opportunities, this knowledge base as such, there is a lot of roles that would appear as opportunities, but also new tools to work with to take take it further. Yeah, yes, definitely new new roles. New roles are new opportunities for staff, for up-training, new roles for new people to come into the organization. One of the outputs from our digital strategy was we we started to develop our own uh, digital tools and digital apps. Uh, we're now developing a new uh, sustainability platform, and we're also looking at a new client management platform and a data value platform. And we, we, we've been successful in bringing in a, a number of new application developers in there and starting a new team in there, uh, but we're still recruiting more and looking for more like um, uh, analysts, application analysts, uh, to help understand those requirements and push those projects e- even further. Mm. And do you think that in terms of getting those people, is that a challenge at the moment for, for, for your own organization as well, just finding the right people for roles? Absolutely. It's an industry challenge and challenge for us. Uh, what we found is you know, people are looking slightly differently. They're looking for flexibility. Mm. Uh, they are definitely looking for good organizations to work. They're asking interesting questions when they come in. Um, there are good people out there. Sometimes what happens as you get closer to interview date, they're, they're dropping out because they've taken other, other jobs. Um, all we can do is we can try ourselves to be you know, the most attractive as we can, make yeah. sure our, our policies and flexibilities are there, and also provide as best we can a really good working environment. Uh, one thing we do have in our favor is that you know, we have a really good purpose. You know, there's an element of what we are trying to do is for the future. And it's not just, you know, for Ireland, Inc., it, it's that and beyond. You yeah. know, we're very focused on our climate action, very little focused on sustainability and on the lives of rural communities as well. Yeah, I found even myself from, from talking to different people, um, even the design or tech-driven people at devs, et cetera, and I see a lot of them now moving from organizations where, you know, it could be like the Googles and whatever, and they're now trying to go to organizations where they feel there's a sense of purpose. When you have that element of purpose, and also when you have a really good strategy, that's actually what really attracts people to roles. So, you know, best of luck with that. I think that's a really good thing to have is to have that element of purpose. And along with that, then you have, you know, organizations come to you and they go, right, we, we're a large organization. We're in the field of agri, whatever it might be. And we're looking at digital transformation. What are the kind of steps that they have to go through to, to get them to that stage. So you're really going back to look at your strategy again. Okay. You're looking at yourself as an organization. I mean, what what products are you making? You know, what mm-hmm. what's your process? How are you interacting with your uh, customer? And you're challenging that at every point. So you're you're really doing your strategy again. Um and and you're trying to seize the opportunity 
digitally. You're trying to see seize the opportunity. Um, how can we capture our interaction with our customers and how can we use that uh, data we're capturing to help drive our future focus? And you want to do it in a way that's really quick. You want to do it in a way that allows you, you know, it's okay to fail a little bit. You want to just learn from that. You want to continually um, uh, change and try uh, try different things and see does it help you point better in the right direction. You also want to make sure that your customers are involved in this process in the whole part. And okay. you know that comes back to like design thinking and your user experience and um, making sure that what you're doing is needed and wanted. Yeah, because I think it's, it is definitely a case of aligning teams and if you can get the teams aligned around that strategy and then you can use tools like design thinking to, to get them to the next stage and things like user experience, that's becoming more important to you guys as well. Yeah, very much so. So, I mean, we would have ended up with a number of different applications for our clients and they, are, they have different user experiences on them and one of the things our digital strategies try to do is put a focus on how can we pull those together make them more aligned and in doing that reach out to our community try and see well what works for you Mm -hmm. Uh, we know we want to make things very simple we know we want to make them very fast and we want to do it in a way where we can also capture uh, information back and that would help us then and how we iterate and how we how we provide services in the future and John, what other learnings have you got from organizations after being working with you guys and how has that helped you? Yeah, so one of the things that we found was um, that we have a willingness from staff and, and citizens to, to look at new new applications, new, uh, new tools. And whereas if you look at five or six years ago or even more, you know, you might have had some resistance to new big clunky applications coming in around the organizations. You don't have that anymore. You, you have people wanting this. You have all this uh, energy coming from within you uh, and you want to try and harness that. You want to leverage that. And you mightn't be able to act on all of it because you you might be stymied by resources or budget or whatever but you you've got this willingness to embrace technology and there is less resistance to that than you would have seen before uh some of that might come from you know in the gen z's that are coming now in which people what we're even seeing most of the older you know age profile like they're very very with technology now and there's less resistance to that so, so you want to try and capture that that would be one of the learnings and then the culture don't, don't underestimate the need to get that you know on a good path first uh, and once you start that you know you, you you'll really start growing exponentially to the point that you get to your second you know iteration of your strategy you're really creating value value for you for your customers and value for you as an organization uh, but you've got to get the, that working first get the strategy rolling first and, and just finally, what other patterns have you noticed emerging based on the work you've done to date? Yeah, I would have seen, you know, uh, as I said, traditionally you would have these big clunky enterprise applications that come in and, and it's yeah. taken a couple of years to go and, you know, develop the requirements. You meet with everyone, you go, you push them out. Uh, and now, of course, we're changing that method from waterfall to agile and you want to do these things quickly. And the good reason is that people are are wanting these done quickly so that'd be one uh, you're finding tools are now uh, obviously moving to the cloud but one interesting thing i've found is when cloud started first with amazon and azure 
you know, they were relatively easy to do. Now they're not. Now they're really complex. And mm. it, as from a systems point of view, so yeah. so you need specialist people. What, what what we are seeing is a whole load of new applications like um, uh, services that are coming up that are really really easy to use. Like mm. small bits of AI out there that small businesses should be able to just jump on board and use some of these little small um, uh, services that are there. And they can be a lot easier than trying to go down the route of you know, getting servers up and running on the cloud. Yeah, their own. Exactly. I know. I've noticed that as well. I just see a pattern happening where you do have these very large, clunky SaaS products. They can be incredibly expensive as well. But the, I think the future will begin to see more and more smaller products that hopefully more more companies or organisations will find out and learn how to use because there's a lot of them are out there already. But actually connecting those all together and getting them working together rather than getting stuck with one big system. And I think that's something that we will see emerging in 2023. Uh, very much so and then of course that brings it back to you know your data and having a strategy of like what is the data you need to have Mm -hmm. um, your classifications of data and how do you want to capture it and if you have a proliferation of systems you want to make sure that the data you have is consistent that you can start looking at it to bring value to the organization and a final question then what's coming up for Chagas is it something new or something that you're really excited about well, well, the first one is really around our new sustainability platform and, yeah. and, and in response to our climate action strategy um, and very much you know, going to be our focus uh, there. Uh, we're also looking at our new client management platform, so we're hoping that we can bring you know, our, our products and services that are going to be more aligned to what uh, ultimately our clients' you know, needs are. Yeah. And uh, we're also hoping that we can start you know, accelerating or innovating, starting looking towards iterating in a slightly different way and and, and managing that a little bit faster. Um, you know, overall, it's an exciting journey to go on a digital transformation journey. We're, we're not the first, of course. Many have done it even locally here. Um, I, I know Tirlon are, are well mature in that space. And, mm-hmm. and there's no one size fits all. You have to look at what you have and how you want to get there. Um, there are, of course, good models out there. But at every point along the way, presenting opportunities, and I look forward to see where we get to over the next couple of years. Um, yeah. cool. And John, just in terms of if anyone wants to find out more about Chagas or some of the service that you offer, what, what's the best or what's the best way to approach you? Yeah, so we're we're very active on social media in general. Um, you will find us certainly on our website is always up to date, and um, it's you know go onto our any of our social media channels, and you'll see the kind of type of output that we're doing there Um, yeah John it's been a pleasure thanks for coming in no problem thanks John thank you coming up after the break I'll be talking to Kira Houston a vertical farmer from Bowfield Farm with the latest tech news insights and reviews this is Tech Matters on KCLR with John Clear don't forget we have a competition thanks to Electro City. All you have to do to be in with a chance to win is tell us, or sorry, to win the Hama True Wireless Earbuds is text us or WhatsApp us the answer to this week's question, what cheese is made backwards? And you can send your answer along with your details to the dinnersreddit.ie text line. That's 083-306-9696 and we will announce the winner at the end of the show. Good luck. Joining me now is Kira Houston from Bowfield Farm, who swapped careers from a pharmaceutical giant Pfizer to become a vertical farmer. Kira, you're very welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, John. Okay. <laughs> Delighted to be here. Excellent. So listen, my first question really is, why would you move from a fancy job of, at Pfizer to do this? 
So, yeah, so my background, I am, I, I trained to be an accountant. So I spent a couple of years for my sins in practice. And then I went into industry, which was Pfizer, spent almost 14 years in Pfizer um, and, and a great company to work for. <laughs> but I think what really made the decision um, for me was I had three children mm. and my husband, who's a leash man, um, is from a farming background. He's not the farmer in the family, but he's from a farming family. And, you know, we were bringing the children over to the farm and I just saw there was an opportunity there. I love the farm. I love being outdoors. I grew up kind of with horses. So I, I have a little bit of experience in that world. And I wanted to seek an opportunity for a business idea in that in that farming um, environment. Um, and so I took an opportunity to take redundancy from Pfizer. Um, I was really, really lucky. And with that, I decided to invest with my brother-in-law, um, Noel, and uh, we set up the hydroponic vertical farm. Um, okay. So yeah, it's, it's something I wanted to do. I wanted to see if we could create something that was able to provide on-farm income so that we weren't seeking off-farm income. And this, you know, when I ran the numbers and I looked at the opportunity, it seemed like a really good idea. Um, so touch wood and fingers crossed, it, it continues to be that way. Okay, so we're at the early stages. And what I like to hear there yes. as well, that you were an accountant. So I love talking about business models. And I think that the one part of the business model, which is very important, is, is it viable? So it's great to have an accountant on board to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to the other part of the business model is, which is what? So what is vertical farming? So vertical farming is essentially when you grow upwards and our vertical farm is we grow, we have what's called uh, 80, we have 80 modules in place and a module is similar to, if I could say, I, I, it's, it's like a trolley for all intents and purposes and we go six rows high so that could be anywhere up to about nine and a half foot in height and this allows us to I suppose be more efficient with our space so if I could give you an example we are our vertical farm is 300 square meters so less it's about 3,000 3, square foot say roughly very roughly mm. but we can produce between 30 and 35 acres a year of produce so by growing up, it has incredible capacity to increase your yield in such a small amount of space. Now, you know, depending on where you look, you have, you know, automated systems of vertical farming. They go up 20, 30 feet or 20, 30 layers even. Um, and they're all automated. But uh, we wanted to keep it simple. We're very manual. We use a stepladder to get up to our sixth layer as it's about nine foot high, but it's very manageable. And it's just in an extreme extremely efficient way of growing because you're utilizing space efficiently. The other side of us is we're also hydroponic. So we're growing in water. There's no use of soil or waste of soil. We, you know, use a small amount of nutrient to feed the plants. They take what they need and the water consistently recycles itself. So it's on a, you know, a circulation. So it's an incredibly efficient, sustainable, eco-friendly way of farming. And then the other part of vertical farming, which is amazing, is the 
We do grow indoors. So our vertical farm is within a mushroom tunnel. We use LED lights to grow our produce. And then they have the photosynthesis through LEDs. So it's a very, very, um, it's a very effective way of farming also because of our Irish climate. We're currently growing microgreens and baby leaf salads. Um, And with that, everybody knows there's a very, very short window in the Irish climate that allows for that kind of growing. Um, And you also have the additional challenges of pests like, you know, um, anything from white fly through to just snails and slugs, et cetera. You have to be so careful. And there's a lot of, at times there's a need for pesticides when you grow outdoors. So there's no use to pesticides or chemicals of any sort with our our way of growing so it's a really it's actually quite a sustainable but eco-friendly method of farming what's a microgreen so basically we buy so i'm going to give you an example of micro broccoli we buy the broccoli seed exactly like you would if you were you know going to do a vegetable garden and you wanted to grow Mm. the actual head of broccoli the seed is the exact same but what we do is there's different stages of the seed production or the life cycle of the seed so the first is the sprout and you can actually buy sprouts. We're not growing them, but sprouts is where you get that little kind of leg coming out and the the seed is starting to germinate. And then after that, it into the microgreens. So it's a shoot. It turns into a little shoot and there's two little leaves that come off it. Um, and that's essentially, it's kind of past its sprouting stage and it's now going into its life cycle of growth. But it's extremely nutritious at that point um, mm. because it's in its very early life cycle. It's holding all its nutrient and it's getting ready to push itself into the full vegetable. But we harvest at a very early stage. There, It is known to be about 40 times more nutritious, but I have no clinical trial to back that up. But they say, you know, a, a plant in its infancy holds so much more nutrient than it does in its adult life cycle. And the beauty of microgreens is you don't need to cook microgreens. You cook your meal and you add your broccoli and you mix it in and you eat it raw. Um, and so again, that's that's another benefit is just that you keep all the nutrient value because it's not getting cooked in the process. So Interesting. So like microgreens are actually kind of a new product to the Irish market really mm. as well. So we have the... They're relatively new. A lot of chefs would really understand them and and, you know, a lot of a lot of microgreens in the past have been used for plating because or for flavor with, you know, high end chefs, because, for example, we all can find salad a bit boring and tasteless. And that's the beauty of the microgreen. You get this quite a sharp injection of flavor in such a small amount. And yet the, the nutritional content is there, too. But you're right to the consumer. It's relatively unknown. What kind of jobs will be created in this kind of uh, industry? Do you know, I think there's, we're looking at how already we're looking at how can we automate the system. And I think there's, Mm. there's, endless amounts of opportunities for jobs you know be it even in production and on the ground but also as we become efficient and we understand the business better there's going to be tech roles like Mm. how can we automate this how can we make it more efficient because if we stand still you know you're doing nothing you need to continually evolve 
And I'm already looking at ways to see how can we bring in, bring in robotics. And it's not for job elimination. It's to mm-hmm. make the business extremely efficient. But also, like, I know we're very small, um, but we'll be looking to hire anywhere between 5 and 15 people because there's huge like, logistics. We need drivers. We need production. Um, we need people helping us to grow. So, the, And there's also the admin side and the office side. But I really see um, an opportunity in the tech side to continue evolving in this agri-tech space to see how can we continue to to be better. We're really, really early days in vertical farming. Um, As far as I'm aware, we're only the third in Ireland on a commercial scale, that is. So it's it's still very early days. So there's a lot to learn yet. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's lots of opportunity there. You're actually bootstrapping and it's a little unusual. Why did Mm -hmm. you take that approach and, and what do you think are the advantages for you taking that route? Because for me, I, I love bootstrapping in terms of industry because I think you get a much purer and a better, a much better company in growth in the growth stage. Mm. You know, so I'm just wondering why you. I feel like I've taken a wealth of experience from Pfizer, and with that, I felt confident enough with my business partner, my brother-in-law, who is the farmer, mm-hmm. to to together do to do it ourselves. Um, and I really, I, I suppose personally, I felt I really believed in it, and I understood it, and I had a vision, and I wanted to, I wanted both of us to put the money in ourselves and to to give it a try. And I suppose it was on also family farmland. So that 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 brings its own challenges whereby I didn't want to put any of that at risk by having investors and challenges. But I also think I agree with you. I think there's a huge benefit to having the control yourself because you can bring the company in the direction you want it to go. And I know yes. I'm very clear on where I want that to go. Yeah. And actually wouldn't believe like I've been approached to see what I take on investors. But I just, I really believe that this is a family farm. We're diversifying the farm and we're trying this vertical hydroponic system. And I really want this to continue on for the next generation. I didn't approach banks, um, but I think given again, this industry is so new in Ireland, I think it would have been a challenge to borrow. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think investments, sometimes investors drive you in a specific way or they have specific needs and, and I guess, I didn't uh, and that's completely fine but I just I wanted to I wanted to keep it on our on our own path but also I think what's really important is that sometimes when you have investors involved and I don't think the state bodies etc understand that if you don't have external decision makers and if the decisions are made on the farm it's really much better for the community you know mm. so and I think we don't we don't hear enough about that and I think we're going to see a little bit of a change in the next couple of years that the game was always to push money equity into the company but I think we'll see more of a, an approach towards bootstrapping and I think that's really really healthy so so look I think that's great mm. but what do you think are the challenges then for you going forward do you know I haven't found I have found this journey to date incredible and I haven't found excessive challenges or challenges that have kind of come in front of me and I'm like oh and and I it's not I you know we've it's it's tough being a startup it's tough going out you're used to a big company and a lot of support and then there's only two of you and it's hard hard to do it but I have actually found nothing but great networking I've found we've got support from our local enterprise we've got the Department of Agriculture supporting us financially grant wise you know I found we're connected with Leash Taste we also were at Sabre Kilkenny do you know we launched at Sabre Kilkenny and it was one of the best things that um, we did I thought 
Saver Kilkenny was amazing. So I have I have nothing but praise for the support that I've got out there. Um, and I have to say, there is nothing major that is I've found a challenge to date, John. And fingers crossed, it seems like that. But um, you know, you have your tough days, but I I don't look back at all. I think this is a great opportunity, and if people are thinking of trying new you know, new agri methods, like we're being challenged all the time of how are we going to reinvent farming because of CO2 emissions. And, you know, I think if you have a thought in your head, I would only say to people, go out, do ensure you you, you kick the tires and you test the numbers, but really go out there. There's so much support out there and people are wonderful. Like other local businesses have been great support. Everybody has been fantastic to us. So um, yeah, no, I don't see major challenges as yet. <laughs> okay, that's very, very positive. That's brilliant. And what do you see happening in the future of agri-tech and farming in Ireland? You just, you just hinted at there that there's a lot real opportunity there, but we, where do you see it yourself just being having your, your feet on the ground literally at the moment a bit of yeah I think I think people are stepping back and having a look around how can we change the farm and and how we farm traditionally mm. and I think people are really exploring opportunities I think vertical farming is the start um you know you look at just I think also robotics and AI I know a lot of people don't like it but I think there's great opportunity there to to kind of enhance what we do already and I think you know, once you, when you step out of Ireland and I used to travel to the US a lot with my job. And I think when you step out, I was in the Middle East a lot, it's changing dramatically in the world. And I think if we watch what's going on and we take the best of that, and you know, we're a great country ourselves and we just bring in some of these agri-tech ideas. I think we've, the world is our oyster. Um, but I think it's one to watch. I think we need to continue evolving and and and, and assessing agri-tech and how it fits for the Irish climate, the Irish farm, because mm-hmm. our farms are, are quite unique. They're all primarily family run and small clusters of farms and we just need to look at how can we run these efficiently but I think the farmers are doing a great job when you watch different programs you can see they're already looking at at different things to suit them and and you know I think I think there's great opportunity out there yeah yeah I remember actually I was listening to um, uh, there was a speech by Leo Leo Clancy he's the head of um, Enterprise Ireland yes and he comes from a farming background in Tipperary and he's putting a real push now on agri in terms of Enterprise Ireland and he says that he's trying to make a bigger connection between the existing tech mm. economy but also the existing tech culture within Ireland startups etc and connect them more with the agri so I think that's going to be very yeah. promising in his tenureship coming up you know yeah, yeah. Like it's amazing. I got only just the other day I met a startup um and a guy who's starting up robotic arms and just he can train the robotic arm to do basically anything. Mm. And so I'm I'm actually linking in with him now to see how can we utilize and it's just people are so creative and people there's some people who are just born to be tech and yeah. they are doing amazing things and if we all just connect we can utilize each other's you know resources so yeah, yeah there's stuff out there it's just about going to look and see what fits for for you you know well I think this is the point where we have to disconnect so oh. uh, we're running out of time Listen, yeah. where can people where can people find you here on socials 
and how can they get in touch, etc. Yeah, so we are on currently, we're just in the process of getting our website up and running. So that could be, we're probably about two months away, but bowfieldfarm.ie will be the website once it comes. But we're on Facebook and Instagram on Bowfield Farm. So um, we'd love people to link in there. And then we are based in Ballackmore in Burst and Ossery County Leash. Our phone numbers are, are on our Facebook, Instagram, and uh, um, we will be LinkedIn happy. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you. Brilliant. Listen, Kira, thanks for coming in. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure we'll cross paths again sometime. Thanks so much, John. Tech Matters on KCLR with John Clear. Right, welcome back. The question for this week's competition is what cheese is made backwards? And the answer is Edom. That's Edom spelled backwards is me. So this week's winner for the Electro City competition, that's the prize of the Hammer True Wireless Earbuds, is Paddy Hughes from Tolerone. So congratulations, Paddy. Paddy. Someone will be in contact with you. And that's it for this week. It's really, really flown this week. So I'd like to say thanks to my guests, John Leamy of Chagas and Kira Houston from Bowfield Farm. The show notes for this week will be on the KCLR website very soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks to the show's sound engineer, Martin Bridgman, and to our producer, Catherine Fibbs. Join us next week for a look at health tech. I'm John Clear. You've been listening to Tech Matters. I'm back at 6pm next Tuesday. We'll talk to you. And up next is the news. Tech Matters on KCLR with John Clear.